on today's episode. Describe tapping to him. He looks at me. He's this conservative medical <laughs> practitioner. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, okay, but if you want to give it a go. And he said, but nobody will come to your trial. What are you going to do after that? We had four and a half thousand people call. They stayed changed. Yeah. And we thought, oh, wow, what are we yeah. up to? Kind of like Valium without the drug bit. I want to just get in your brain yes, and be like, yes. give me all the knowledge. <laughs> Welcome to the Things I Wish I'd Known podcast. We're on a mission to help those of us who feel way too sad, way too often, remember what it's like to feel alive and 100% yourself again. So whether you're here because you're stressed out, feel like your emotions are constantly hijacking your life, or you've just somehow lost your way, your host, Rachel, has got your back. Let's have all the chats everyone told us not to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Rebellion. She's a raver, misbehaver, and suicide survivor turned happiness champion. She's on a mission to bring happiness back because let's face it, it never really went out of fashion. This podcast may contain content that is triggering for some listeners. If you're sensitive to certain topics, please check the show notes for full episode descriptions. Hello and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host, Rachel. I am so excited again this week to be here with one of my heroes, actually, um, Dr. Peter Stapleton. She has 25 years experience as a registered clinical and health psychologist and is also a associate professor, a professor? professor of psychology at Bond University in Australia. And I came across Peter... Um, through her books and her research into EFT, which anyone that listens to the podcast knows I am a big advocate of. And she is now a leading researcher in this field. And some of her research has literally blown my mind. I imagine for most EFT practitioners listening to this, they'll be like, well, we already knew that stuff anyway, because we've seen the results in our clients. But for people who have not experienced EFT or haven't um, practiced it at all, I think it was pretty mind-blowing. There's a lot of things around um, MRI scans, around brain scans, um, all different peer-reviewed studies and tests, which just go to show how effective EFT is. And I am really grateful for your research because I'm a bit of a geek (laughs) secretly, and I love to read about all these things. And so I'm really happy to welcome you. Thank you so much for being here with me. It's very exciting to chat to you today. You're so welcome, Rachel, and it's, um, it's great to meet another person that's a fan of research that you know quite likes to have a look at an MRI scan or you know some data so thank you so much for the invitation and to join you today. Oh it's it's just absolutely my pleasure I literally remember when I found um, some of your stuff on Instagram and you'd done these posts that were um, the orange posts with the arrows and they had things you know like crazy statistics on it like you know tapping for x amount of time drops depression by 40 percent and these kinds of things and i originally found eft due to my own story because i had really severe depression really bad panic attacks you know to the point i couldn't leave my house at points um my anxiety was was through the roof i was on all these different medications and my parents were looking after me and it was all a bit of a you know not a very fun or nice time and um i'm not quite sure how i came across brad yates i think it was through 
Louise Hay somehow, if I remember rightly. And um, just started tapping along with his YouTube videos, you know. And I, I was really sceptical. I was like, you know, OK, right. OK, this is going to solve it, is it? You know, I'm just going to tap on my face, tap under my armpit, say a few words. And this horror that's kept me bedridden for the last few months is just going to puffed and disappear. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then give it, you know, a week or so, I was like, oh, I'm able to get out of bed. Oh, I'm starting to feel better. Oh, I don't feel quite so panicked. And it was just mind blowing to me. And so I knew from personal experience, but when I saw your research, I was just like, wow, this really helps us to, you know, give evidence based research to the world so that hopefully people that are skeptics like me that aren't literally okay I've tried everything else so I'll give it a go <laughs> can yeah. can get the benefits from this so I would love to know like how did you get into EFT and how did you um begin this you know this research in this direction yeah and my story is one of desperation funnily enough where I had done all my traditional training as you do and I, my clinical area of specialty was eating disorders. So I was working with anorexia, bulimia. And I'd done all this wonderful training, including a PhD. And of course, I'm running groups and trying to help my patients and no one was getting any better. And I started to take it a bit personally going, oh, my goodness, I'm ineffective. There's something wrong with me. So I was literally complaining to a colleague. I was whinging, if you like, and saying, I've done all this uni. Like, clearly, there's something wrong with me because I can't help any of these people. But I really felt like I could try and do something. And he said to me, look, I've come across this really weird technique. I don't know too much about it. And it was back in the day, I'm not joking, Rachel, dial up internet. So you had to be a patient person to sit there and press the old dial up here, the kind of turning of the Yeah, He was way more patient than me. So he'd been trying to watch these videos back in the day. This was 20 years ago. And he said, but I think this technique might work. Now, back then we knew nothing. We knew nothing Mm. about how it worked. But I dismissed him. So I was exactly like you where I went, I have no idea what you're talking about. Tapping on your face is just a bit too weird for me. Yeah. So I ignored him. And fast forward a couple of months, I'm running these eating disorder support groups and he came along because he was in my field and he said, I'll help you out because the groups were growing larger in number. All these women kept turning up to these groups to get support. Mm. Middle of one of the groups, a young girl has a panic attack and she starts hyperventilating. Something had triggered her. And he gestured, I'll just take her outside and help her calm down because I had like 50 women in front of me. So they were back in about, and in my book I say, look, five or six minutes maximum, they were back. And she was calm and composed to the point where I thought he'd done something dodgy and slipped her a Valium or something outside. And I thought, oh, that's really bad. (laughs) So the group ends, she's fine. She goes home and I say to him, tell me that you haven't done something unethical here. And she was, they were not gone for 10 minutes and she was yeah. back. And he said, no, I would never do that. <laughs> I, I did that tapping thing I've been trying to tell you about. And, of course, how he tried to tell me, I don't I don't remember. Yeah. But I saw this outcome. I saw this evidence and I said, you need to tell me what you're talking about because I just saw her come back in about six minutes. I thought you'd popped her a valley and because she was so calm, yeah. you know, and the rest is history as far as we went off and did training and things like that. And, um, and we often laugh about that story because had I not seen it, I might've been like everybody else, you know, back at the time where they were like, 
what are you talking about? That that sounds ridiculous and just dismiss it. And of course, what I've spent the last 15 years doing in my research career has been based on this weird technique. Yeah. So as the story goes, I was working in the School of Medicine at, at a different university and my boss said, you've got to do some research. Part of your job, do, what do you want to research? And I said, well, I've been playing around with this bit of an unusual stress technique, seems to be working for eating disorders. Could we try that for food cravings with obesity? Because obesity here in Australia was um, obviously mm. a problem. So I described tapping to him. He looks at me. He's this conservative <laughs> medical practitioner. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, okay, but all right, if you want to give it a go. And he said, but nobody will come to your trial. What are you going to do after that? I said, well, just leave it with me. And we yeah. go on like a current affair program and we demonstrate the technique with the chocolate muffin and we just say to people, look, if you're interested in a free clinical trial to reduce your food cravings, you might lose weight, you might not, give us a call. Yeah. We had 4,500 people call from that, right, that show And my boss fell over and went, what are you going to do now? I'm like, I don't know. I've got to help these people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to run my trial. (laughs) And um, we had to field them out to a lot of private work because, of course, you know, we couldn't couldn't have four and a half thousand. But it showed us that people were open. They Mm. were willing to try something different. And it worked. We ran a four-week program, eight hours over the four weeks, and we got significant results in a year later those people had still kept the weight off. None of the food cravings had come back. Their restraint and willpower and all that kind of lovely stuff that we measured, anxiety, depression, yeah. none of it had returned. They stayed changed. Yeah. And we thought, oh, wow, what are we yeah. onto? And we've sort of rolled along since. So that's my story. That's how I got into it. And um, I, I thank my lucky stars I saw it in action. Otherwise, who knows what I would have been doing for the last two decades. I love it. And I think, you know, maybe we need to rebrand because, you know, everyone talks about it as, oh, it's like acupuncture without needles. Maybe we need to be like, it's like Valium without the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like Valium without the drug bit. Um, So, I mean, so you've kind of found this weird technique. You've gone now pretty much the same result as most of us, right, that that get into this field. It's like, oh, that's too weird. That's never going to work. And then you've seen the results for yourself and you thought, wow, okay, this is, you know. And so you've done this research and this is the one, right, that I've seen with the brain scans and it shows quite clearly, is it? I might get this wrong now. The dopamine receptors, right? So we had a dampen. Yeah. Yeah. So the amygdala, that stress center gets quieter. So acupuncture studies show that. Um, What our brain scans, so we had uh, overweight and obese people go inside these MRI machines and look at images of high calorie foods that they wanted to eat. So it triggered them. And we found that the parts of the brain that were flooded with oxygen blood yeah. flow so the signal we're attached to that reward and pleasure center so exactly yeah. what you're saying and four weeks later after they'd done their tapping program and looked at the images again inside the machine because there was no desire to want to eat the foods there was no blood flow to those areas so they're mm. like lying there going eh, is it over yet like it's a bit boring and those scans are on my website anyone can have a look at them yeah and we publish them because it absolutely shows if particularly in the food area, if you have no desire for a food and you look at it, the brain doesn't fire. Nothing happens. And we had a control group and the poor control group didn't get any tapping treatment. And they're 
brains are just light up like a Christmas tree, like nothing happens mm. to your brain if you want to eat a food. You really, you know, have to do an intervention there. So, yeah, we've been lucky enough to do all sorts of um, biological studies, including yeah. EEG and, and a range of things to show that tapping's not a distraction technique, it's not placebo, it literally is changing your biochemistry, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, the thing that I'd love to touch on, because the thing with your book, when I, and for anyone, I'm going to give you a little plug here, for anyone who hasn't uh, seen this book, it is amazing, um, called The Science um, Behind Tapping, about the gene expression. Mm. And I was like, hey, this is like changing you at, a, you know, a gene level. Mm. And I was just like, okay, hang on a minute. Because, you know, I also am a big advocate and follower of the work of people like Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton. And obviously they talk about epigenetics and things around, you know, okay, uh, your genes are basically like um, a blueprint rather Mm. than the building blocks, which historically, Mm. so for anyone that maybe hasn't read this research, historically we thought genes were essentially the bricks, if you like, of your body, your house. And what they found through epigenetics is that actually the genes are more like a blueprint. So it could be changed, it could be updated. um, And therefore, a lot of things that historically we've been told are genetic and we have no control over health wise. Um, You know, some pretty serious illnesses when we think about it. Right. In my family, things like diabetes, heart problems, you know, knee issues, all these different kinds of things that just you end up growing up going, oh, well, that's just how it is in our family. We don't really have much control over that. And then actually being able to see the data and go, well, hang on a second, we do have control over that. And then to see that actually tapping also has this effect on, you know, on the genes. I'd love to to touch on that a little bit as well from from your, yeah. I want to just get in your brain yes. and be like, give me all the knowledge. <laughs> And you're, you're absolutely right. Um, Joe Dispenza wrote the foreword for the book because he's yeah. a very close friend of mine. So we've spent, me- like, obviously meditation's his space, but he does do tapping. And yeah. it, we sort of say, look, both techniques get you to the same end point. It's just which path do you want to travel? So we know that we have the ability to have a gene express itself or not. Mm. So anything that's a, a non-DNA-based kind of condition in a family, like there is one type of breast cancer that's definitely a deformity of the gene that, for example, all the other types of things are really, and Bruce Lipton does this beautifully in Mm. his book, The Biology of Belief, it's something else that tells that gene to express itself in a certain way. Now, that's everything from, you know, toxins to food we eat to thoughts that we have, that type of thing. Because tapping such a fabulous stress reduction technique and we can get into talking about cortisol and things like that, if you calm that cortisol level in your body, it may then have the ability to tell a gene to express itself in a different way, either stop kind of upregulating, downregulate, that type of thing. So one study that was done in America by colleagues just did one hour of tapping for stress, just general Mm. stress in life, and 72 genes changed in their expression. And they were genes to do with um, cancer suppression. So the ability for a gene to go, I'm going to turn that off, we don't need that to actually happen, increased or improved immunity response. Mm. So CA being a, a neurohormone there that can be measured. 
there was more of that available to allow people's immunity to kind of improve um, as well as everything from, you know, kind of cardiovascular sort of driven genes and things like that. To have 72 genes shift in one hour, imagine if you kept tapping regularly over a lifetime, the impact that you're going to have like on the body system. And the yeah. other major study gene-wise that's been done was done on uh, post-traumatic stress disorder for war vets that have yeah. returned from war in America. They had a traditional 10-week, one-hour-a-week treatment program of tapping, obviously on all the PTSD sort of symptomology, their memories from yeah. war. But six genes that we know, if those genes are expressing themselves, we're likely to see diagnosis for PTSD. They stopped expressing themselves. So in the questionnaires, the vet said, no, I don't have that symptom anymore. And the genes said exactly the same thing. And the six-month follow-up on those patients, they still didn't meet criteria for diagnosis. And their genes which saying the same story. So it's like the genes match the story you say on paper in, in self-report questionnaires. So I think that's that's a very elegant study to sort of show, look, this stuff not only lasts over time, but if you go back and process, heal, whatever word you want to use, traumas that might be sitting there, then you don't have the symptomology moving forward, whether that's psychological or physical. So mm. it's kind of like, to me, it's like if you want your best bang for your buck and the best hack for health, to me, the answer is tapping. Yeah, I, I literally couldn't agree more. I think the more that I go down these routes, and I've tried a variety of different things in my own healing, I think a lot of people that are in any health issue that you have, you are kind of like you know I guess there's phases to it in there there's the oh god why is this happening to me phase and and a little bit victim mode you know and, and this I'm talking about my personal experience so anyone that's listening and might hear that as blame I'm not this is not about blame but there's a period of time especially for myself where I felt like why is this happening to me this isn't fair other people don't have to suffer in this same way and then when I got my diagnosis and I was given all this medication, I was like, well, that's me then. What if I never get out of bed again? You know, you hear these stories, don't you, of people with really severe depression and and that's it. You're done and life's over. You, you know, you're only in your 30s and, and that's it. You might have another 60 years in this bed, <laughs> you know. And I was yeah. just like, oh. And then... It's this moment of real empowerment, right? Of like, okay, hang on a sec. So, you know, I'd, I'd tried, I've tried Reiki, I've tried shamanic work, I've tried tapping, I've tried um, breath work, which I also found really powerful, and EMDR, which I think actually works in a very similar way in my experience to EFT, um, and found them all to be incredible. And I've got other friends of mine that had very similar symptoms or diagnoses to me and for me the PTSD especially just doesn't seem to have come back you know I, I don't have panic attacks anymore for more information on how you can bring your happiness back why not join Rachel's monthly membership or contact her via her website www.welfordwellbeing.com it's been a good couple of years since I had a panic attack <clears throat> And I'd like to think that it will never happen again, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Um, but some of my friends who've had things like talk therapy, and I'm not anti-talk therapy, I've also done it, I think it's great. But, you know, their symptoms don't seem to have gone. Their yeah. symptoms seem to have been suppressed or understood 
but they still seem to have the negative side effects. And this is the thing that I've found with tapping. And also, you know, and this is anecdotal as well, just in my experience, but you know, when I tap every day or at least every couple of weeks and, uh, you know, on my personal stuff, my life just gets better and stays good. And then I don't know if anyone else listening to this probably resonates, but you sort of go, oh, I've completed it. <laughs> I've completed life. <laughs> I don't need to meditate anymore. I don't need to tap anymore. I don't need to do my journaling. I've completed life. I am the best. <laughs> and so you like stop all your good practices and suddenly life starts to nosedive, nosedive again a little bit. And I don't know if you've had like similar. So do you still tap? You know, I imagine obviously we both tap with our clients and things, but do you yeah. still have like your personal peace process, all that kind of stuff that you just continue with? Yes, look, I probably don't tap daily anymore. And that's only because I've tapped for 18 years and... <laughs> Lots of the big trees in the forest, you know, get cleared. And, yes, and I used to hang out waiting for that moment too. I can relate, Rachel, where you're like, am I going to get to the point where I just don't need anything anymore because I've self-actualised, you know. <laughs> and then, of course, <laughs> I'm enlightened. I've done it. So I complement with lots of other practices. So I do do meditation. I do tell Joe that I'm probably a bit too impatient. I'd rather tap than meditate, but that's just mm. me. But I do lots of other modalities, anything at that unconscious level, like, you know, NLP or timeline therapy and things like that as well. Have your favourites that, you know, go to. My self-care practice exists uh, on a daily and a weekly basis. It just might mean that that looks more like, you know, during uh, 2020, that looked much more like yoga for me um, than perhaps, you know, other exercise sort of things because it just felt right. So I went with what I felt right. So my self-care practice and what I teach my students is that always needs to be there. It just might look different, um, you know, month in, year out, that kind of thing. So I probably don't tap daily, but I think tapping's the best thing if something does come up fast Mm. I've got this tool straight away. And I did. I had a, a health diagnosis myself only about two months ago, which has actually corrected itself now, but a blood test that came back. And talk about worst phone call ever where the doctor rings and says, need to see you. The results aren't good on the phone. Oh, God. Uh, can't, get, can't get you in today. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. Can't get me in today. In the end, they did get me in that afternoon. But I had about two and a half hours sitting in my office at work going, I've no idea what he's going to tell me and he's left me hanging, but I had tapping. So by the mm. time I got down there, I was physically calm. In the end, it, it actually was it was minor and it has actually been corrected now. But the delivery of that news, talk about needing communication skills, you know, professionals. Mm. It, it was tapping in those moments. I think you know, once you have it, if it's become a habit, uh, it's a, it's a go to for anything. Absolutely, like yeah. I mean, I wish I had it. I had a, a similar experience. I think I was about twenty one, and um, I'd had a, a a negative cervical screening, and so mm. the letter basically said, you know, it. it I, th- I hope they've been rewritten now, but it essentially what the way that I read it was like, you've got cancer, you know, and it was like, read the enclosed leaflet, no leaflet. And oh. the appointment wasn't for like a week or something like that. And so for about a week, I was like, I've got cancer, I'm dying. I've got cancer, I'm dying. And it was awful. I was so stressed out. And that would have been the perfect, you know, time to, to have had tapping. And I've definitely used it. Similar things, you know, I had my 
handbag stolen, um, which was really upsetting and just straight away just tapped, you know, immediately and was able to, you know, go from like, I, I do swear on this podcast, but there's just not enough swear words in the world for why <laughs> I was not happy. <laughs> I was like, I need to ring my bank. I've got to speak to the police. You know, I've got to like do all this stuff. And and so I just tapped and I remember the woman that was with me. I was actually in a business meeting when it when it was stolen. She was like, wow, talk about practice what you preach. You know, it's like within a couple of minutes, I was super calm and just like, OK, mm. You can't change it. Everything's yeah. Refocus. It was it was amazing. Um, I would love to know what's your biggest learning so far. I mean, you've I mean you've been doing this research for like decades now. So what would you mm-hmm. say would be your biggest learning from from tapping? Yeah, or even lot. I mean, tapping life. You know, life. Well, big question, isn't it? Yeah. My, my biggest learning. You know what? I went through my whole, this has been my biggest learning. I'm going to attribute it to the person I got it from. Went through my whole undergrad study in psychology, you know, learned, I don't know, whatever the best of the best was back in the day. And not once did anyone ever tell me or teach me that I had absolute control over my own thoughts and feelings and Mm. my, my thoughts will drive my feelings. And I'm driving along one day and I clearly remember where I was and I had a cassette in the cassette player at the time and it was Louise Hay. Love and her. obviously it was just someone might have given it to me or I got it from the library. And it do, you was just feel like, do you feel like Louise Hay is like a gateway drug to spirituality and oh healing? <laughs> and I'm like, I'll listen to this. And she says this one line in whatever the lecture was about, no, you have the ability. And I'm like, what do you mean I can change my thoughts? What do you mean? No one's taught me this. And I remember saying to someone at university, I might have been in my honours year, and they're kind of looking at me. They must have thought I was on crack or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I, have the, I have the power. And obviously my journey after that was where tapping came in and that became a tool. But I started looking for tools before tapping to go, how can I change my thoughts? Because I was a very anxious, shy child. I am an mm. introvert at heart. But I was anxious to the point of, you know, my shyness did sort of social phobia sort of level. So I had a lot of thoughts I could change, but I had no idea I actually had the ability and full credit to Louise Hay and I ended up being part of obviously the Hay House team. Would you believe, talk about, you know, sort of full circle of life, when I, Joe Dispenser was the one who kind of, you know, arranged that publication of the book with Hay House, the day I signed the contract, because I always think back to that cassette and the fact that she was the one that gave me this ability to go this pathway. Louise died the day I signed my book contract with Hayden House and I still get goosebumps. And I just had a quiet reflective moment because I never met her, but she changed so many lives, mine included, and then I, you know, obviously joined part of her family. So think back. So that my the biggest thing I've learned in my life so far, and Tappy's just been part of the tool, is that we actually have the power to change our thoughts, uh, which then will change our feelings. So to me, I've got two daughters that are one's an adult and, and the other one's 14. And I have taught them that from the word, from the moment yeah. they were little, you, know, you have the ability here. You can change any situation by just changing the way you think about it. You know, yeah. so that, that would be it in a nutshell. I love it. I I really think that's such a powerful realisation. And also for a lot of people, you know, um, 
realizing the thoughts that you have and how, and how that affects you not only because I, I teach this a lot in my membership and when I work with people one-to-one you know that the chemical that happen like the feelings are just the language of the body and the thoughts are the language of the mind and they're just essentially like your little compass you know they're telling you okay, this is the stuff that you like, that feels nice, and this is the stuff that you really would probably rather avoid. And so when you're creating, you know, essentially all that's happening all day is you're just creating chemicals and deciding what that chemical means to you. You know, and for some people when they feel, a, you know, a rush of adrenaline, they're going to be like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go jump out of a plane or I'm going to, you know, and for other people, when they feel that rush of adrenaline, they're like, (gasps) and it's like panic, you know, and it depends on how you have decided what these chemical reactions that are happening in your body means. And a lot of that is driven by thought. And I remember when I first started observing my thoughts again, so, you know, Louise Hay stuff, and I was horrified, horrified at just how negative I was all day, every day, about myself, about other people, about the world in general. It's not safe. You know, I'm a piece of shit, basically. And you just think, wow. And it's a very fast kind of spiral down, isn't it, into some of that depth. Awful. And then you think, wow, I would not speak to anybody like that. You know, even my worst enemy, I would not sit there and all day be like, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you're ugly, no one loves you, you're so fat, you're disgusting, you're bad at your job, you're a horrible friend, no one wants you around. Like, it was all day, just this constant. And it's like, you can't have those thoughts and create oxytocin and DHEA and like all these like lovely happy dopamine all the like happy hormones because you're basically just in this like dark you know stressful everything's bad everything's wrong I'm wrong I'm bad and that's going to create these these chemicals which you know emotions essentially how we read them but you know it's going to create those stress chemicals which then we come back to right gene expression Don't forget to meet us over on YouTube for the uncut video version and additional content of all episodes. You can find the link in the description. And turning, you know, I remember seeing the the video of Bruce Lipton and it was just these two proteins. And it was just uh, for those that are, sorry, watching this on the podcast, you're not going to be able to see my fingers. (laughs) I always forget this. So basically, I'll try and explain this in an audio version. Um, If you can imagine my fingers touching and then not touching, touching and not touching, this is basically how genes get turned on and off. And so if they're touching, it's like one expression. And if they're not touching, it's another expression. And this can literally mean the difference between having an illness and not having an illness. And it's mad that you can program that by your own mm. brain. Yes, <laughs> it's so empowering. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I know. It's um, it's crazy, but it's so empowering, isn't it? Because yeah. you suddenly do learn it and you get it. You go, huh, that means I can change stuff. Even a family line of some type of, like you mentioned, yeah. diabetes or an illness that's not really driven by you know, 
DNA that's actually damaged, mm. that it's actually done by the expression of these genes, um, that could end, that could stop. And- yeah. And it's just amazing. But I think also it's really interesting because when you're in those spaces, I struggle with this a bit with depression because I think Mm. there's a bit within depression where it's so hard to hear anything like this because you read it as blame. Yeah. And you feel like, oh, great. (laughs) Or I did anyway. Another thing that's my fault. Yes. You know, and like, oh, God, well, now that I thought uh, you know oh it's and now it's my fault because I've I've thought these things and therefore I've created these experiences and therefore I've created my depression and stuff like that and I do remember that phase a little bit when I was in recovery from the depression and then when you're out the other side of it you realize that that's actually also part of the illness right it's kind of like oh that you're going to blame yourself that you're going to think that you're a burden that you're going to um you know everything's my fault and I'd be better off not here kind of thing is is a, an expression I feel of the illness yeah. and it it's something that I think is when you come out the other side of it suddenly it goes from being this like blame oh because of my thoughts I've made myself ill into this such empowerment of mm. I can change my life yeah. for the better by literally just changing a thought and it's it's amazing it is it is so apart from that, if there's anything else, because I don't know, and now I'm like, oh, what, what, you know, what do you wish you'd known? And I don't know if there's anything else, because obviously that's pretty, pretty uh, profound, uh, what you've yes, just said. Um, but I think, you know, we often say, because we do lots of tapping in school environments now, and I, I kind of look back and sort of think, you know, thank goodness I found tapping when I did, but imagine if I'd have found it earlier. <laughs> like, so, you know, I think, you know, kids that go through schools now and we have lots of schools where all the teachers use tapping and things like that. Like that's a profound foundation to be setting in someone's life, even if they forget to use it and come back to it years later. They learn how to do tapping for regulation and things like that. So I, I, that's probably my only what, what do I wish I'd have known. Maybe that, you know, 10 years earlier when I was a shy, anxious kind of young teenager that perhaps I came across these kind of things a bit earlier. But I'm grateful when I did. Yeah, but I think as well, I mean... It was only discovered in 1990, right? Because I've I've had the yeah. same finishing school then, and, so, and yeah. I've I've had the same thing. I was like, oh man, imagine if, you know, I had like through my childhood and things like that times that were yeah. very difficult for me and my poor parents who were <laughs> dealing with you know ADHD style child. <laughs> very anxious very uh tasmanian devil uh toddler and um you know you think wow how how life-changing that would have been for my for my parents Mm. and and for me and but it didn't exist no i don't because i don't even know if thought field therapy existed then would it have done in the Uh, the in the 80s i was 17 thought field therapy oh okay Right, well, there you go, Mum. It is your fault for not finding TFT. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I know she listens. <laughs> so is there anything else that um, you wish that I'd asked you or anything that you'd love to share with the listeners before um, we kind of sign off? No, look, if anything, you know, if anyone's new and I guess, you know, they might be familiar with tapping, you know, just to stay open to the possibilities of mm. how it can be used because anything that's got stress attached to it in life tapping is going to be a benefit of course and I'm quite happy to share and I mentioned to you Rachel before we jumped on that 
one area that I've just finished writing my next book on, which we'll, you know, watch this space for when it comes out, but is this whole issue of memory and learning. Mm. And so my next book is Tapping for Memory. It has just been finished, so it's all good. It's being reviewed at the moment. But just the applications for little ones going to school, trying to learn how to read a spelling word right through to we have had some clinical trials that have been run on Alzheimer's and dementia with tapping just for body calming kind of sensations, um, even for language that's being lost and things like that. So so another area that, you know, I'm quite passionate about in that learning because I teach and things like that, um, how tapping can be used when you walk into the room and you're like, I can't remember why I walked in here. If you just start tapping on your face, it'll come back. So that is amazing. I think that's so helpful for people. Um, Again, I put a post up a couple of days ago. Um, I don't know about in in Australia at the moment, but in the UK, we're just starting to come out of lockdown. Mm, Um, And I I was like the first felt like the first day back at school, you know, I was like, I can go to my co-working space and work from the office. And then I was up and down the stairs like I was about to say like a horse draws I shouldn't say that on this podcast should I <laughs> and because it was like oh I forgot my keys and then I forgot my laptop charger and then I forgot um my m- membership card you know that will get me in the door and then I can't remember what else I forgot and I was just like oh my god brain come on you know and yes. and it was like right okay now I know I'm gonna <laughs> What else do I need to bring with me today? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And also the audio version of your book is out, right? So um, the Science Behind Tapping audio version, I mean, did you tap on that before you had to read it? I'm no, I probably tapped People don't realise, I didn't realise how long, it's easy to read a book because you're reading it quietly in your mind, but when you have to read it out loud, and say the words that you wrote that you thought you would never say out loud, like names of hormones and, you know, <laughs> DNA and things. The guy recording it in the studio was just laugh, laughing in the corner at me going, I have to start that sentence again because I'm having to read these things out. Um, so a little bit of having, you know, funnily enough, he knew nothing, so I'm in a professional studio just having it recorded yeah. and everyone gets to listen to the Aussie voice. By the end of me reading the book over, you know, several days spread out, the sound engineer came to me and said, this is the best thing I've ever heard of. Can you teach me how to do tapping? So talk about where you end up, you know. So he's been tapping ever since and particularly on insomnia and things like that. Oh so he God, said, I've it. never heard of this. I've just heard you read your whole book. This is fantastic. So there you go. Things I like love that it. I absolutely love it. And I think this is definitely one of the things that I've tried, you know, through my work as well. It's like, come on, like, just be open to it. Just give it a go. And I think this is where a lot of people come to tapping when they've tried everything else. Because you're like, oh, okay, fine. (laughs) You know, all right, fine. I've done all the traditional stuff and it's not working. How? All right, I'll give it a go. Let's give it a whirl. But um, it really is just life changing, isn't it? It's one of the most amazing things. So now we have the science to back it. Exactly. So everyone keep an um, eye and an ear open for when the new memory book. Do we have a title for the book or we don't? Uh, We do at the moment. The working title is Tapping for Memory, a practical plan for all ages. I love it. And um, how do people say, you know, I imagine a lot of people listening to this are like, wow, oh, my God, I need to find out more about Peter. (laughs) Where can I find more about this stuff? This research is cool. Um, Where do they where do they find you? What's the best way to, to get into touch with yes. you 
So if they head over to peterstapleton.com, just how it sounds, uh, all the socials, of course, are just me, Peter Stapleton as well. So you can follow us on all of those. But website has lots of free resources, videos of tapping, of course, handouts, you know, ultimate tapping guides, all of that's free. So get over there and, um, you know, download what you want to and have a look. Of course, links to trainings. We are doing a lot in the online space at the moment just due to 2020. But I've that's been, been looking at a few of those. I know a few people that have been raving about them and other people that I know that have been on, yeah. People. So um, if any of those suit, you know, often we're doing lots of free things as well. So love to have anyone connect through any of those means. Oh, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing all this information. I know that this is going to be a super popular episode before I even put it out. Um, So, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And to everybody else, um, thank you for listening. And we will see you again very soon. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as Rachel enjoys making this podcast. Why not share it with a friend in need of some heartwarming inspiration? And if you really love it, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us reach and inspire more people. Thanks for listening. You have totally got this.